Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Score! Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio. I am your host, Kyle, and I am joined with a uh, handful of Red Wing faithful and whim writers like myself. Today on the line we have uh, JJ, uh, Graham, we have Michelle, and we have Joe. Everybody else who is not on the line with us, um, they're just not that cool, I guess. Uh, so how are we doing, everybody? Peachy Keen. Best day yeah, ever. That's good. Best day ever. Like, yep. wait. Today was the best day ever. Every day is the best day ever. You just okay. gotta have the right attitude. Sure. All right. Okay. Anyways, Graham, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. Um, today was like my uh, first day back from vacation day, so uh-huh. it it kind of sucked, but it was good. Right. But it sucks. Didn't you go on vacation to Canada? I did. I mean, it wasn't a true vacation because I was visiting family, which is fun. I enjoyed my family, but uh, right. you know, you got to come back and get back to the real world, and it sucks and blows. Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as a vacation in Canada. So, it was a nice trip. <laughs> I think I got a little okay. too defensive on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there, bud. <laughs> Joe, how you doing? How dare you? Uh, I was, I'm still sort of recovering from Saturday where I went to my cousin's beach party and I played five games of beach volleyball after having no prior physical activity for the previous how long. So I'm still kind of feeling it in my arm and my back and my legs and my sides, all that digging and spiking and serving. Yeah. Were you wearing wow. uh, blue jeans and the, the big sunglasses? I'm imagining you like slider and Top Gun. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that cool. Oh, that's too bad. No one is. I'm still going to imagine you looking like that, though. Yeah, let's, we can just roll with that. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's dig in. Obviously, it's August, so uh, Red Wings news is uh, very few and far between. Really not much going on. However, there were a couple of tidbits. Uh, that came out recently that uh, that were pretty interesting. One of them being an interview with uh, a defenseman, Jonathan Erickson, and uh, then they had another. Uh, we had another article uh, about Riley Shan, and uh, they kind of dished up on uh, Blashill and what uh, what is to be expected of Shan uh, going into next season. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's start right on the Jonathan Erickson thing. Uh, Michelle, why don't you go ahead and uh, and go ahead and give us the lead there. Sure. Well, it was, um, it's an article that came out from Sweden, so everything that I'm about to read is a rough Google translation, so please keep that in mind. He talked about a couple of interesting things, though. Um, the first being injuries. So we knew that he had the, um, the hand injury, uh, finger, going into the season. Um, but he talked about something else that's interesting and kind of scary. One of the things he said is that he has a problem with his left hip. Um, He said it's still an ongoing issue, and the way he described it is he said it's like osteoarthritis, hip ball to be round and fine uneven. 
which, you know, rough translation. But he said last season, after some of the games, he had difficulty walking because he was in so much pain and he wasn't able to move the way he should, which is kind of disturbing. And it brings up a couple of issues. One, is this going to be an ongoing thing where we're going to see a decrease, like a continued decrease in his performance, which was not good last season anyway? And two, how much of you know, his disappointing performance could have been due to the fact that he couldn't move very well and was in a lot of pain? Yeah, um, that's uh, troubling because I don't think Jonathan Erickson's a very good defenseman to begin with. And then when you factor in the fact that he has an issue with his hip that renders him down to not being able to move after a game, you know, part of me doesn't feel too happy with a guy like that uh, playing the big minutes like Erickson does um, a night in and night out. So, you know, that's something I think the Red Wings, if this is an actual thing, and I don't see why it wouldn't be since it came straight from the horse's mouth, I think this is something the Red Wings probably are going to have to try and, like, tread softly with. You know, he's obviously, if this is actually this bad, um, yeah, it's probably time to start pulling him back a little bit and not playing him 20-plus minutes a game. Uh, Not only because it's going to hurt the team, uh, because you essentially have, you know, a three-legged horse on on your top pair, and then, you know, obviously it's going to hurt him long run, too. I mean, he's got a kid and stuff, so it's not really you know, worth it. One of the things in there that can that kind of concerned me was that he said, as an answer to it, was uh, now we're using, among other things, a rehab that our fitness coach found that works, which is, is promising. And I hope that it, that it does continue to work for him. Um, why did it take so damn long? It's not like he, this is a new hip issue. He's had it for a while. So... I don't know. I don't know much more about it. He also said, like, he uh, decided not to have an operation because it would take four months to recover from. I don't know about that because uh, you get eliminated in the fifth month of the season and you're recovered by, or the fifth month of the year, and you're recovered by uh, the ninth. You're not missing any real hockey time. So I, I don't know if an operation would truly solve it or what the risks are involved in there. So I'm not going to criticize him for not getting uh, his his leg operated on, but it's it's just disappointing that we keep hearing stuff with Red Wings injuries where it's it just seems to take longer for them to find solutions than it seems it should. Yeah, and um, the little uh, part where he says um, he's thinking about essentially just playing out the rest of his contract and then just retiring. That's great and all, but the guy... I mean, he's signed here. I think he's signed, what, is he signed here to 21, 2021 or 2020 or something? He's going to be here for He's got five years left. Yeah, he's going to be here a while. Um, Yeah, well. The thing is, is like, we don't know. I mean, can you imagine if, like, like, if he's having issues with him not being able to walk after a game now, what it's going to look like in three years? It's just, it's kind of terrifying to think about, you know. Yeah, that's kind of what he he talked about too. You know, you mentioned the retirement, you know, playing out of contact contract and then retiring. And what I read from the article was that he's saying like he doesn't know how much like how much ab- abuse his body's going to take. The the quote from the right. article says that 
I do not know how much the body I have left when I'm done with the contract I have now. And he's talking about, you know, wanting to be basically like a healthy, functioning person to be able to spend time with his family and his kids and everything. Yeah. He's eventually done playing. I mean, that that can be a scary prospect. But with, when you hear someone, you know, is yeah. quote unquote young as he is talking about being concerned about that, it kind of makes you worry a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah, the I, uh, you got a, a 31 yeah. year old saying, "I may be done at 36." Now, it's it's pretty common for for hockey guys to be done at 36. It's not common for people that age to say, <laughs> "Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking." It's the end is going to come. They're at 31. He's thinking about the like, end right now. Forever. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he mentioned Eric Cole getting the concussion and being 36, and you know, it sounds like from the article that. You know, Erickson was saying if he had gone through that and been, you know, that scared and injured, he doesn't know if he would have come back. Smart. Um, I don't know. What about the bad talk comments? Sorry, go ahead, Joe. I'm just listening to all this, and it just makes me think back to Kenny being blindsided when Rafalski retired. He He retired with one year left on his deal because of lingering back issues. Uh, and some other personal reasons as well. But he has five years left on his deal, and I'm not sure. Is his salary level throughout the entire deal, or is it one of those things where it dovetails at the end? His deal, I don't think um, in terms of dollars for the team, he gets paid the same amount each year. So he yeah. gets that, what is it, 4.25? Um, yeah. So... So, I don't know, maybe he does think about retiring two years before his deal ends, and, you know, it's not like you're going to get hit with cap recapture or anything like that. It's just a matter of, here's a guy that we've been giving so much responsibility to, and there were some times where he was sort of able to handle it, but it's just one of those things where it's going to, you know, blessing in disguise. It's going to clear up the space for a guy that might be able to, might be ready to take his spot by the time that he eventually retires. Yeah. yeah um, years from now, it'll be uh, Marchenko. He'll be ready by then. Maybe. Um, what about the Babcock comment? The comments about Babcock. So in yeah, the. Oh. Go ahead. Um, in in the article, he was asked, you know, basically, like, what does he think about Blashill coming in and and that fit? And you know, he said good things about Blash and said, you know, the young guys like him and they had him in this, for an assistant uh, for a year in Detroit. Um, but he said something about Babcock, and again, it's a rough translation, but you can get the gist of it. Um, he said that he said Babcock and I have not always been Sam, which. It, it sounds like they didn't always, you know, weren't always on the same page. Said, but it is he who decides and sometimes has listened and then let it go out the other ear. He is hard on just younger players, which sometimes lowers self-confidence a little. Those are kind of two two big, big things there. Um, first, you know, it, it sounds like he's saying sometimes Babcock would listen and sometimes he would just refuse to listen and, you know, let it go in one ear and out the other and then being hard on younger players, kind of, it makes me wonder, like, I I wish I could talk to him to ask follow-up questions to try and figure out more what that means. Well, you could just look at Thomas Tatar, and you could could get the the 
mean, pretty much what went down with Patar. We all knew that he was hard on Patar from the get-go. And um, I don't know what it is, because it didn't seem like he was ever hard on Nyquist. I mean, the organization was hard on Nyquist, that's for sure. But, you know, uh, yeah, Nyquist always played. He always played. Tatar, I mean, it was between Tatar and Dan Cleary. And, you know, I mean, it was just... It, it, here, I'm, I'm sorry, I got that screwed up. But um, we knew that, you know, Babcock was hard on Tatar. You know, I think I, it's pretty obvious he was hard on Yurko. Um I mean, it, it, even, it, even if it wasn't on a cerebral level, it definitely was on a hockey level. I mean, you know, he basically put a skilled offensive player who wants to develop into an offensive an offensive player on the fourth line playing slug minutes. You know, I mean, kind of says a lot. <clears throat> and uh, with that being said, ha-ha, um, Toronto, go fuck yourself. Amen. Because <laughs> they're rebuilding. <laughs> I mean, the first, the first part of it, you know, the first part, I, I think that's every coach, right? I mean, I don't think there's a coach in the NHL who listens to his players 100% of the time. Um, I have no doubts that it, there were times where you know, players could go to him and say, I want to do this, I want to do that, and he would listen, and other times he would just basically say, no, that's not happening, you're going to do it my way. That's, um, that comment's not shocking. The, the, the being hard on young players, I think we've known for the entire 10 years that Babcock was the coach, that he was a tough guy to play for. You know, he had that reputation in in Anaheim. He, he had it a little bit in Detroit as kind of a somewhat of a no-nonsense type of coach. So uh, I think the fact that he was tougher on younger players, without knowing Mike Babcock and having never spoken to him in my life, this is purely a guess on my part, but I almost wonder if he's, if that's just the way he teaches, like he's a tough love kind of teacher, right? Um, rather than go more towards the positive side and, and through praise and recognition, he tries to, to challenge them and see who can rise up to the challenge and, and be better. And then so it looks like that he's then coming off as being tougher on younger players. I, I don't know, that's, that's, that's my thought. I don't know, I, I don't agree with it all the time because I think you, you need to, even professional athletes, I think they need to be, you know, kind of built up a little bit. You can't just tear them down and just see if they can respond to it, like some sort of mental toughness thing. Uh, but I wonder if that's just how Babcock is, because you've you've read it from now more than one person saying that he was, you know, he was tough on players. Yeah, because the other thing we've seen from Babcock has always been a very like a, a don't feel sorry for yourself attitude. You know, I remember during the the twenty four seven thing they lost, and he was, you know, yelling at his bench, uh, don't hang your heads, guys, you know, you gotta keep them high, you know, keep proud, so yeah, it, it does very much seem like that's Babcock's thing. Um, the other thing on that was, <clears throat> it's possible, because this is a, a rough translation, too, but uh, what he's heard is he decides, and sometimes you listen and let it go out the other ear, it's possible that, uh, that Erickson was basically saying, yeah, Babcock's not nice, Sometimes you've got to let you've got to let what he says go in one ear and out the other, which answers things in a lot of cases. It's it it fits in with the being hard on younger players, and it also fits in with how wonderfully Erickson deals with uh, not being bothered by criticism. So and yeah, we've we've seen that a lot. Is that you know Mike Babcock has his style of player that he likes. Uh, the guy doesn't 
doesn't necessarily have to wow you as long as he seems to have that uh, shut up and keep working attitude. And Jonathan Erickson absolutely has that shut up and keep working attitude, uh, even if he's not uh, always the best defenseman or the most deserving of top pairing minutes. He definitely was a, a Babcock guy, and he earned Babcock's trust by by not hanging his head and not uh, doing whatever the hell it was that got kindled, that kept getting Kindle scratched th- this last season. Yeah, um, I don't know. Babcock, is, that's, that's one reason why I was never... I mean, Babcock is obviously... He's a psychological coach. Um, and I don't know if that's good to have when you are developing young players like Thomas Tatar and Gustav Nyquist, uh, you know, when they were coming up and playing their... doing their time. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I do respect him in that he is a very tough love kind of guy. You know, I think that, you know, obviously he's, he's one of the smartest hockey minds in, in, in the sport. So, like, you know, you, you, I just, I have a hard time, like, saying that he was hurting the team in any way. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, we've heard it from, I mean, we've gotten tips, uh, like, you know, with the whole cleanest thing saying, Henrik Zetterberg wasn't going to be naming his his son Mike or anything like that, you know. And and then you know um, some of the stuff that we heard from Mirko and some of the stuff we've heard from Tatar and now that we've heard from Mirko. It seems married over there. I heard some noise. Sorry. Yeah, I did um, <laughs> Anyways, um, I think it was pretty obvious that uh, it was just sort of like an oil and water kind of situation, um, you know. Not everybody is going to be Dan Cleary and just get along with everybody. So, yep, team is changing. Team should change. It's time for Babcock to go. Thanks for everything. Bye. Thank you. you Thanks for the memories. Get fucked, least coach. Um, so, anyways, uh, moving along. Um, Riley Shan. Uh, there was an article released today um, that was centered around Mr. Shan. Uh, Basically, uh, what the expectations of and how uh, of next year is, um, and what he uh, what he thinks about Blashill, which obviously nothing but nothing but good things, of course. Um, I don't think they'd publish something bad, but and then uh, a little bit of a little bit of inside info, I guess, if you will, um, kind of hinting that Shan might see some time playing the wing, um, <clears throat> which. I don't know how I feel about right now. I think I really like Shane down the middle. I think he's, I think he's great. You know, he's good at the face-off. He's big, um, and he's smart. Um, but uh, I'm open to anything. Um, you know, Tatar and Nyquist were both drafted as centers, and they converted them. To, they converted them to wings. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? What did you think of the article? Well, I mean the. The the he loves Blashill part was like, yeah, I, you know I, I, I guess I'm at the point where I don't care what the new player what players think of Jeff Blashill because I fully expect it to just be the same thing over and over again. So that right. part was, you know, that part was yeah whatever. Uh, you know I was intrigued by the um, by the idea of him playing on the wing. Uh, you know I, I guess I'm torn on it. Part of it is you know it was the the talk was Waldasus out right. You know they're going to look to him to maybe. Uh, Assume a larger role, um, you know, because that's just going to be yeah, you're going to be missing a number one center. So, um, 
I think Shane, he, I've always thought that Babcock screwed up last year by splitting up the Shan tatar Yurko line. I thought that that line they should have just kept together because that line line worked. Um, I don't know what Blash was going to do, but um, I'm kind of with you. I, I like Shan as a center. Um, I think that he just he, he's decent at face-offs. He's still got to get better at face-offs, but he's okay. Um, he's, he's a good skater, and he's got, he's got a good shot. That's the, I think the one thing that's a little bit underrated for him. And I know that maybe that would actually tend towards making him a better winger, but um, I think he's got uh, good vision out on the ice, and he's a good passer, that if you put him with a guy like Tatar or put him back with Yurko, um, two guys that seem to be more more natural goal scorers, um, I, I think that lends that lends better towards his skill set um, than putting him on the wing, where I think he won't be able to actually use as much of his skill as he can now. I uh, had a giggle because you just called Thomas Yerko a natural goal scorer. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's good. I, I got a bullshit for that, but. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be adding that later, but that's later. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, yeah, like, I who think... are you doing it with center if Shan's a winger? Because, like, okay, are you yeah, moving Zetterberg back? You got Richard. Yeah, uh, Ansar Khan in, in his part of the article, in his write-up of basically the same thing, because it was all the diggers writing writing basically the same thing, um, was like, well, it might, it'll probably be... Uh, Richards as the top center, and then Shane was talking about like wanting to step up to take that two C, but Larkin could do that. And apparently, Glenn Denning is the three C, and Joachim Anderson is the four C. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? No, fuck that. I would much rather have uh, Riley Shane as our, uh, you know, Richards, Shane, Larkin, Glenn Denning than than that. So I'm mean, fine. Yeah, I mean, Rich. Richards as the one C is already pretty bad enough, but I mean you don't really have much else of an option. I think I'd rather have Richards at one C than Zutterberg at this point. That's for sure, because Richards is quicker, and I think Richards, I don't know, but he's just quicker and he's smarter. Well, I don't want to call him smarter. Zutterberg is one of the smartest players in, in hockey right now. I, I really do believe that, but he's just, you know, Zetterberg's a, he, Zetterberg is damaged good, um, and. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that Brad Richards isn't knock on wood, but uh, yeah, I think that if it comes down to it, and you're looking at Luke Glendening anywhere but four C, then yeah, you should probably not move Shan around at all. Just keep him at center. Like, don't, don't even. Well, yeah, I do agree with uh, with Graham about Shan being able to uh, to kind of bring some of his stuff to bear, uh, his skills to bear on the wing. But I think that he's smart enough as a center, um, especially if yeah, if you've got him with Tatar and Nyquist. Uh, I like his sense at at center and and kind of his command of the ice, um, which it, it sounds weird, but he does. He seems to know his position very well, um, and he he doesn't get caught out of position at center uh, very often. So I'd, I yeah, I'd rather keep him there. Sorry, Michelle, I interrupted you. I was gonna say, you know, hearing speculation about Shea and maybe seeing some time at wing. My first reaction is, well, it must be when Datsu comes back. Because until then, I mean, we're pretty thin down the center. But it makes me yeah. wonder, like, yeah. there are options, I guess. Like, m- maybe is he thinking about having Datsu 
uh, Center? Is he thinking Datsuk Richards? Is he entertaining the idea of Helmet Center? Is he thinking about Larkin being called up? Like there are other options, but I would rather have Shane at center. He's a natural center. He's one of the few players, you know, the Wings have that have actually played center consistently all the way up, including his time in the NHL. Like a lot of guys, like Kyle alluded to, get drafted to center or play center and then, you know, kind of get pushed down the center depth chart and end up getting moved to wing. But Shan's stuck at center and he's good at it. And I think that it better suits his strength. So I don't understand unless we were really heavy at center. I don't understand why you would move him to wing. But then reading the original article um, where Ted suggests that, it almost sounds like it's his own personal speculation. And, you know, he's like, Blashill hasn't said anything to Shahan about possibly moving into wing, which not that uncommon. I mean, the season hasn't started or anything. But then it makes me wonder if, if that's just something to talk about. And it doesn't mean anything whatsoever. You know who's going to play center so that Shan can play wing? Dan Cleary. Cleary. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, there actually is one more piece of Red Wing stuff that uh, I didn't go over in the, the pre-show that we should uh, that we should probably cover. Helene St. James thinks that Justin Ablicator is going to repeat last year's performance just as well and that in a contract year, uh, that's going to earn him uh, a contract roughly that of Gustav Nyquist in the four and a half to five million dollar range. Uh, what's uh, everybody's reaction to that? Love. He better uh, he uh, he better have a, his season better be better than last year <laughs> if he's going to get a contract like that. Um, I don't know, man. Like I like I like Advocator like. I found like I did. I used to not like Abdulkader, um, but now I'm. Uh, I, I actually really do like him. But I don't know if I really, if I'm really in. Like, I don't know, man. Like, so you're looking at four years, like you know, possibly a twenty million dollars. So, um, I I don't know. Maybe I just don't. Maybe I'm being cheap. Not that I should care, but it's just, you know, he would have to be a consistent 20-goal scorer to, to actually have that. And, uh, I mean, Nyquist got that contract, and we don't really know what's going to happen with him next year. I mean, he had two really good seasons, but you never know. Um, uh, I don't know. I think that uh, if it came down to it, um, I would be comfortable giving Advocator like a 4 by 4 deal maybe. Um, if he had a, like a really good season, like another 20 goal season, um, I think that'd be pretty, pretty great, but I don't know. Um, I guess I'll just cross that bridge when we get to it and I'll be mad about something then. Like, I feel like is one of the guys that, that probably should be, uh, sell high target at the trade deadline this year. Um, if we're talking about giving him a Nyquist type contract, even, I'm personally uncomfortable giving him anything above three and a half million at term. Like give him say four, four and a half if it's only gonna be for a year or two. But he's obviously yeah. not gonna that he's obviously gonna want the term. Uh, I don't think that he's gonna be able to replicate the season that he just had next season, let alone in whatever future contract he's gonna have. Like, he is essentially the Detroit Nick Yep. I think that is exactly who he is. 
<laughs> and you know what's funny is if he tested free agency and he went into the free agent market, he'd probably get five plus easy, you know, um, mm-hmm. because I think Avocator's better than Nikolaski, but he, I mean, whatever. He, uh, I think he's, uh, I think he's a good hockey player, and you know, would I, I, I wouldn't mind paying him five million. But the thing is, is that there's, you got to keep your eyes fixed on the on the future here, um, and throwing out huge contracts. You know, well, I wouldn't call that a huge contract. You know, four years, whatever. You know, I, I just think that maybe that would be better spent somewhere else. Yeah, I'm with Joe. I, I'm in the very uh, the sell high kind of thing with him. I'm very uncomfortable giving him four and a half or five million dollars. Uh, I think Applicator is a good player. I think that he is worth that in the open market. Uh, but I think where Detroit is at, that's exactly where you find the kind of values. It's not about being cheap. It's about being smart with the cap. Um, we've got kids coming up who are supposed to be better top six forwards, so better top six wingers than Applicator is. Uh, mm-hmm. If and honestly, this this sounds so shitty to think about, but He's a local Michigan boy. He grew up idolizing the Red Wings. Then hometown discount the fuck out of him. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. We got a hardball. We have to hardball people. And I'm sorry that it's going to cost us the advocator money. I'd love to have you at three and a half. I'd hate to have you at five. If you can't come in below five, I'm sorry. I would much rather sell and and get some assets and then try to fill that void with uh, with some of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about a guy about who. You're talking about a guy who scored who scored over a third of his career goals last year, and he's 28. So, you know, the, mm-hmm. the number of the number of red flags for me in terms of giving him some sort of bigger contract is there's too many. I if he replicates it, great, you know, wonderful. Um, then let him go to market and see what he can get from somebody else. Um, but uh, you know, I think if you could get him on a three. If you could get him under four for maybe three years, because I don't, that's the other thing with Advocator, I would never go more than three years on a contract for him, even if he replicated what he did last year, because he has never displayed the type of skills that would make you think this guy's a perennial 20-goal scorer in the NHL. I mean, shit, before this year, he never had more than 10. So um, I wouldn't want to invest not only the money, but the time into a guy that in four years, maybe, you know, barely cracking 10 goals a year. And, you know, do you want to be sinking four, four and a half million dollars into a guy like that? Um, I, I personally wouldn't. Um, so that's just kind of me. Yeah. I guess I'm we'll have to see if he can shoot 14% again. I, I agree with Graham largely on that. You know, looking at his numbers, I think, okay, he's 28 years old. And, you know, like Graham pointed out, last year was the first year that he had over 10 goals. Even I don't expect him to replicate last year, but even if this coming season he has a good season, he's probably only got two, maybe three, like really good seasons left before there's probably going to be a drop off. I mean, that he's he's kind of he's peaking right now, and it's it he hasn't ever shown that this is sustainable to be at this high of a production level. Plus, he's 28 years old. I mean, not a lot left for him, I think, and paying him, I would be okay if he came in under four for maybe for three years tops, preferably two, if we were to resign him. But then you look... That's not going to (laughs) happen. No, no, I mean... But I know, like, in a... a, a, I'm sorry for interrupting. I was just in in a perfect world that would happen, but... Right, but I'm telling you what I would be comfortable with. 
personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's it. If you know it comes down to five a year, no, I, I don't think so. And if it's four or five years, that's locking up a player for far too long who is not, I mean, he's not a great player, and he's going to probably start declining in the next few years. Meanwhile, you've got kids coming up through the system who, as JJ pointed out, are expected to be better than him and who are going to need a chance to prove that. And lock, you know, if you sign Abdicator for four or five years, that's too long to lock up a player who's going to be decreasing in productivity while you've got kids that need to be coming up who could be doing a better job. And then all of a sudden you're saddled with somebody who isn't the best person for the job, but you've mm-hmm. signed them to a contract and they have declining value. No other team is going to want to, you know, maybe take on that contract because it's not good enough value. Can, can you imagine what uh, if Ablocator, if they gave Ablocator like a $4.75 million a year deal, um, what, that, what that would mean for Tatar? Oh, man, they got to get a monster deal. Oh, boy. So, yeah, they, they definitely, I mean, and that, that's something they have to keep in mind, too. You can't go give a Justin Ablocator, uh, you know, around $5 million and then go to Thomas Tatar, even though he will be a restricted free agent, um, and you can't go to him and, like, you know, say, and because you, you know Tatar is still going to be productive. He's going to be a, hopefully he keeps trending upward, and um, you're not going to be able to pay him less. That's just not going to happen. Yep. That said, understanding the potential consequences of what could happen in a Thomas Tatar negotiation could structure advocators deal such that you pay him big money up front and then gradually dovetail it at the end so that if the contract does turn out to be a plus, you know, the salary the actual salary paid out is not that much. The pot paid is still relatively high so you can send him to a Phoenix or a Florida team that needs to get to the top floor but doesn't want to give out all that cash. Oh, I think that's a terrible that's a terrible long term plan though because I mean, then you, you're going to have to be counting on another team being in, you know, a position where they need to pick up cap and that Abdulkader is going to be the best option for them. Like, that's, I mean, that's banking on a lot of ifs and putting, you know, part of your future in other teams' hands. I don't like that mm-hmm. at all. You're fired. You're no longer the GM. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I just uh, make sure that they sign all of the other dozen contracts they have to sign next off season before they get into that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so moving along, um, the NHL uh, made a big move uh, recently. Um, they, uh, they struck a deal with the uh, MLBAM, um, pretty much the same, same entity that does all the... Uh, the, the the live streaming for the MLB um, uh, what is, what do they call it MLB Live is that what it's called I don't know um, uh, yeah it's basically a, it's a 1.2 billion dollar deal so this is huge money um, for for uh, for the NHL um, I don't really know I mean I don't really even have an jerk reaction to it um, all I know is that Game Center is, <clears throat> Game Center is garbage um, I mean, center ice is okay. It's pretty cool. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I would hope that one of the first things they fix is game center. 
um, and they get rid of the. I mean, the the, the thing is that ML, like the biggest thing is the blackout rule, um, which I mean the ML, MLB Live has it too. Um, they have the blackout rule, but they give you the option to listen to the radio broadcast, which is still pretty stupid. But I mean, at least it's an option. Uh, I don't know, uh, JJ. What do you think? I mean, I, I, you you have a lot of thoughts about this, so I I, I think you might be a good uh, a good uh, guinea pig here to kind of just. Uh, what would you like to see? Well. I mean the uh, the blackout rule thing is is stupid, but they're not going to do away with that. Um, I'm actually wondering, like, because the whole lawsuit that just got settled that created the you can now buy a lower tier for like just your team, but we we get to keep the blackout rules. That came out of a lawsuit in which both Major League Baseball and the NHL were named. Uh, I'm wondering how much that lawsuit had to do with the NHL and, and Major League Baseball working together now. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I think the, uh, the, getting, the getting the choice for the radio is cool. Um, apparently, you can do just ambient stadium sounds, which would be nice. Um, the biggest issue is they've got to get rid of the lag. I, I personally cannot deal with Game Center because I I can't deal with the fact that that Twitter says what happens 20 seconds before it shows up on the on the online feed. I know it's a stupid thing. I know the the answer there is we'll just get off Twitter. My response to that is fuck you. I don't want to get off Twitter. I like being on Twitter while I'm on games. It enhances my experience. So I'm not going to do the stupid thing that that lowers my experience uh, <laughs> because they've got it fucking broken. I'll just buy Center Ice on my Directv with every game in high definition, and I'll watch it like that, and I'll be on Twitter spoiling it for all you slow dumbasses that are on Game Center Live. Um, as far as the deal itself, the financials, yeah, they're estimating $1.2 billion over six years. Uh, they have that broken down to where it's like $100 million a year that MLBAM is flat out paying the NHL for the, all the rights to broadcast and the rights to run all of the websites. Um, so I'm guessing not only are they going to take over those costs, but they're also going to be the ones who get to take advantage of all the subscription and um, advertising fees that come from that shit. So as far as what effect this is going to have on the salary cap, I have no idea. I don't think it's going to be that big. Uh, yeah, $100 million a season for that for that is big, but they're also estimating that it's, let's see, it's $20 million that is just money that the NHL doesn't have to spend running that shit. So it's just money saved, so sure, Penny saved, penny earned, and then eighty million dollars a year in that is coming from the NHL having an equity stake in MLBAM um, because they are completely separate from the MLB now. Like they run the MLB stuff, they have HBO stuff. They're like the future of streaming entertainment, and they uh, kick New Line in the ass as far as uh, their capabilities. So that should be a good thing, but. <clears throat> When you factor in, okay, the NHL is saving $20 million a year on not having to spend as much, that's great. Half of that is basically covered by the players as far as uh, direct costs of doing shit. They're getting $100 million just to be able to run this stuff, but there's no I have no idea how much the NHL is pulling in as far as subscription fees for Game Center Live. So I don't know what the net change there is, and nobody seems to have any clue whether that equity is going to count as hockey-related hockey income or revenue, rather, and that's potentially huge. That's like almost $500 million over those six years that 
potentially the NHL owners do not have to share with the players, so it's not hockey-related revenue. It will have zero effect on the salary cap if that equity is not considered HRR. And, and I, don't, I don't know, but Elliot Friedman wrote that it's possible that that's the case. And if so, that's basically an entire expansion fee in profit because it, obviously it works a little bit different with equity. They can't just go spend part of their stake. But, <clears throat> I mean, how you take collateralized loans out against it and then you do whatever the hell you want with that money. And uh, it's a it's a benefit to them, so I think it's a it's a good deal. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens. My only real concern is what's going to happen with the uh, with the all mine rights, because we know that Major League Baseball is very draconian about how much they go after YouTube clips of baseball highlights and how much they shut down people for posting gifts. Um, the NHL seems to not be as interested in doing that. They seem to recognize that. Um, that's a huge part of what spreads word of mouth with, with NHL fans. Um, but you never know. Uh, Bettman doesn't know, or Bettman may be entirely happy to do that because he doesn't care about that shit. If it's going to benefit him, um, he's going to play that game. So hopefully they won't. Hopefully they keep letting gifts happen because I like them. The end. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what they, uh, what to what what to release? Uh, I don't know. Does anybody else have anything that they'd like to see from this potential? Well, not from the potential deal, but from the deal. Anybody else? I've heard talk. Right? I've heard um, you know a little bit of talk and speculation, I guess, about um, the platform that is going to come along, like for stats and incorporating more social media and. I mean, I'm hoping, like JJ brought up, that they don't, you know, take that and like this is this is all mine. Nobody else can, you know, come play ball. But it would be nice, or will be nice, to see the league embrace more of that and make, you know, make stats more readily available. Like they came through on the the NHL website, I think, last season, and you know, started with some basic advanced stats, but. They have all of the data. They have all of the video, you know, for for social media stuff. Like they, the NHL has all of that, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how they how they use that and how they better, you know, make things available to fans. And it could help grow the sport as well. I mean, especially with social media, like that's that's huge when it comes to reaching people and gathering interest and keeping people engaged. Um, and up until this point, the NHL really hasn't done much, uh, you know, gotten much use out of that, especially when you look at how much they could be doing. Mm. So I don't, I don't know. There's, I think there's a lot of potential there. It's just going to be interesting to see how much of that potential they use in the different areas and, you know, whether it's exciting or, or disappointing. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, all I know is that I really want them to Six. Let's broken. <laughs> oh man, I really do. I wonder how is this if that's gonna affect the uh, like that's not gonna affect TV deals, does it? Like the NBC like broadcast, like their streaming service, like you know no. when you do NBC Live Extra. I don't think it should. I, I, don't, I don't think, think it will, so. but I mean, it's an interesting question to kind of think about. No, Game Center never had the rights to uh, NBC broadcast anyway. No, they were always blacked out, right? Weren't they? Yeah. Hmm. I thought that was part um, of it, well, that even if you had Game Center, like if you if you watched a team that 
that got a lot of the NBC or the NBCSN games, you wouldn't get it because they'd be blacked out on Game Center because they were available exclusively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, I guess uh, we can move on to uh, another topic. A uh, topic that, uh, well, I don't know, kind of struck the hockey world um, and uh, just really, really shitty, disappointing shit coming out of Buffalo, New York, um, with Patrick Kane. Um, you know, a long story short, um, not trying to take anything away from the, the victim um, at all here, but the, uh, uh, I guess uh, Patrick Kane was, um, the, the, there's a girl in Buffalo who was accusing Patrick Kane of sexual assault and rape. Um, there's a whole story on it on Buffalo News. Uh, Buffalo News uh, gets in depth. I don't want to really talk about it. Um, just because, you know, if you guys want to go ahead, I'm just disgusted with the entire situation. Um, uh, there's just been this giant uproar of terrible people who are trying to defend Patrick Kane, um, and it's just it's it's just a huge mess. Um, obviously, uh, they're they haven't uh, found him guilty, but um, in these situations. Um, I kind of take the, the stance of, you know, if you if you were accused of rape or or something like that, it's the other way around. It's not innocent until pro- it's proven guilty. It's guilty until proven innocent, basically. Um, and that's just how I look at it. Uh, you know, those views that those views are my own. So, um, but yeah, I, I guess like the biggest thing with this is that um, and, and nothing's gonna happen. Um, Patrick Kane is gonna play next year making $10 million or however much he makes, um, you know, and I, I just, like, I'm just so, I'm trying to ready myself to absorb that and be, like, like know that this guy raped a girl and is still has this job, still getting paid millions of dollars, and is still looked at as a hero. And he will look, be looked at as a hero because, you know, he's an icon in Chicago. Um, yeah, because he's good at hockey. Tr- yeah, because he's a, he, because he's an exceptionally gifted athlete, um, and I'm just trying to prepare myself for that. But there's no way I can prepare myself for that because I know no matter what that it's just I don't know. I mean, I never liked Patrick Kane. I always thought he's a great hockey player, and you know I always respected him for that. Um, but now I you know obviously I I mean I I can't I I don't know I I if I were to go on a rant about what I think about Patrick Kane now. I don't know. It was just I'd probably say some diabolical shit, but fuck that guy, um, and uh, fuck him for being able to likely end up keeping his job after all this. Uh, what do you guys want to say about this? Here's my thing. Um, it's I I truly hope that the victim here is is able to get through this entire situation. Um, yeah. Some woman's life has been drastically altered and I hope that uh, that she comes out of this okay um, it's it's sad knowing that something like this has, has always been coming while reading all this you know all the the bravado crap about how much more moral hockey players are you just know that the the numbers say something like this is going to happen it's bound to happen it always happens and it's just fucking heartbreaking um, it pisses me yeah. off that it's Patrick Kane um, because you, I wanted to 
I wanted to keep hating him because it was fun to hate him. Like I, I, I wrote in my article yeah. uh, this week. It's fun. It was fun hating Patrick Kane. The whole like, ah, oh, fuck that guy. He's a, a terrible ch- man child. Uh, but there's always like a tongue in cheekness about that that I don't have anymore. Um, and I, yeah. I don't want to hear innocent until proven guilty because I know what the legal concept of it is. But by saying innocent until proven guilty, you are essentially saying that his accuser is lying until she's proven that she's not lying. And I think that's horrible. Yeah. Um, right. It's understood. Patrick Kane is entitled to due process of the law. He is entitled to a presumption of things. I don't know whether he did it. I, I don't know what's going, what is all going on about it. Um, I'm mad at Patrick Kane for putting himself in a situation where this even comes up. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we go through... We went through all this shit from, like, Soshi about how much, you know, he would, he had grown up and how much he had matured. The fucking guy is 26. I understand that's not, like, really grown, but that is way more grown. He's too grown to be just a kid doing stupid shit. And, right. <laughs> I mean, but no, that that's where we are with it, and it's, it pisses me off. Yeah, that's why I, I, like, I never say, like, Innocent until proven guilty. Like that's in these situations, just horseshit. You can't do that. It's not fair. Um, you're taking away from the victim, um, and that's why I, I. I mean, and you know, maybe some people would like it or the way I put it, but I think in these situations, you have to look at it like the guy is fucking guilty until something comes along, conclusive evidence that says he is innocent. Um, you know, and that's just how it is. That's how it has to be with these situations. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I'll, I'm, I, I'll I, say that Patrick Gaines does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm no, not, certainly not, not necessarily willing to say that he's guilty until otherwise, but I don't think that he get, I don't think that he deserves the benefit of the doubt in this situation because of the way he's acted in the past. Yeah. I mean, I actually saw, I like, unless you're on the actual, unless he is charged and he goes to a trial and he, you're on the jury, it doesn't matter if you believe he's innocent until proven guilty because you don't have to. You don't have to think that. Uh, only the legal right. system has to believe that. Um, uh, you know, I, like, I, I've been reading, uh, being here, I actually wasn't here for a, a chunk of when this actually started to break. So um, just getting here, um, uh, you know, I, I've been kind of interested to see how the media has been handling it. Quite honestly, I haven't seen too much of it uh, locally. Uh, you know, but you do see the the fans that kind of rush to... Oh, you hope it doesn't affect Kaner and stuff like that. Um, there, were a cu- there were a couple of articles that have made the rounds, like that Tim Baffle one from CBS Chicago. Um, mm. uh, I think it's Patrick Kane is not your friend. Yep. Uh, I thought that was a great one. Um, I've actually been really impressed with uh, the Committed Indian and the way those guys are handling it, uh, which is ironic because I follow them on, on Twitter and Facebook. And they mm-hmm. have, I actually think they've done something very smart. They've turned off the comments on their site for now, at least as it relates to the, the Kane investigation, uh, which I think mm-hmm. is, a, is a brilliant thing to do because um, seeing some other comment sections, it's, it's just awful. I mean, some of the people, yeah. that, you know, that uh, the way they think and, you know, he, you wonder why more women don't come forward. You just read, read any random comment section and it'll give you a, a really big slap in the face as to why they don't. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just—he's just a bad person. Like Patrick, that's it. Um, I just think yeah. he's a bad person. He's a bad human yeah. being. Hell of a hockey player, supremely talented. Um, but he's a shithead. 
And that's it. That's that's you know, that's it. Joe, Michelle. Yeah, I think you phrased it best, JJ, when you sort of differentiated between like innocent until proven guilty versus giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah. Process is what the process is. It's unfortunately slow, and we really don't know much of what the police knows at the moment. Uh, the thing that I'm, the thing that I'm kind of hesitant to mention because I just know it's going to come up, uh, and you know I hear everybody talking about, oh, I'm already bracing myself for him getting away with it and all that, is that if he does manage to make it to the season and he starts, he's playing in games. Eventually, someone's going to bring this, bring up this off story. This is a story from the off season, and talk about oh, how he's come, overcome some adversity, and now he's going to, now he's just going to be focused on playing the game and trying to defend the title. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. all that apologetic horseshit fluff is just going to be brutal. Oh, it's a sign of him growing up, and you know. Yeah, like the the big thing that they've all talked about is that he had that line after Pat Foley said at the parade that he's you know grown up a lot and it's like just watch out for me. I mean, like is that not an indication of what a, you know what a dickhead he is? Like he doesn't even he doesn't even yeah. realize that that's what he is. Like to him, it's you know it's just all funny. So that's that's part of the frustrating part is like this isn't a hockey thing; it's a person thing, and. I don't view it any differently than I would if anybody else did what he did or, you know, was accused of, of what he's being accused of. It's a scumbag thing to do, and I don't believe there's any way that he's going to actually get what he deserves, what my personal opinion of justice would be. He's not going to get it. And I don't, it doesn't seem like, you know, from both this and from his past things that he's done, it doesn't seem like he is able to comprehend the consequences of what he does. He doesn't seem to understand that the things that he does to other people can be life-changing. I mean, if you were to take a look at this woman's life, it's changed forever. I mean, this is something, even if, you know, she has a good support system and she's able to work through it, it's still going to be a pivotal point in her life. It's going to be something that she's always going to remember. It's there. The course of her life has changed. Meanwhile, he's just going to keep going on like nothing ever happened and la-di-da, everything's great and crazy and I'm going to go back and make my gazillions of dollars and be a hero and, and you know, have all the media attention. And I just, it frustrates me to no end to see somebody that appears to have that type of an attitude and outlook, you know, like like he is better than everybody else or that he can do whatever he wants and there aren't going to be consequences. There are consequences and people's lives are changed. And it's not, it's not a hockey thing, but he gets to go on and continue playing hockey and go back to, you know, his everyday life. It probably isn't going to change much. I mean, in the long run... No, yeah, he's gonna. And it's, he's gonna. Yeah, he's not gonna. It's um. He's not gonna lose his job. Um. So, um, I mean, moving along from that, um, you know, we all know it's terrible, it's awful. Um, I hope that the the girl just makes it through okay. Um, 
uh, I know that she deleted all of her social media, which is probably the smart thing to do. Um, uh, and yeah, I just hope that everything is fine on her and her family then. Um, and at this point, I hope that Patrick King uh, gets his. Um, but uh, well, the, the thing about her deleting all of her social media, I think that I'm not sure that that's something that's actually known. I think that was something that got brought up by a um, one of those horseshit just makes shit up to, to mm-hmm. fling shit at the box. Yeah, um, that. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I saw it a couple of places. So, yeah, it's 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 being, and I'm using in quotations here, reported um, by a couple of sites that do not have strong reputations um, for being good about anything. So, um, you know, nothing from any sort of credible source. And you know what? And this and they should. Uh, I mean, this woman should not be searched out at all, they should just, you know, leave her alone. I know that that's, they won't, because that's yeah. the media, that's what they do, but I mean, you know, she has a right to privacy, and um, you know, she should just be completely left alone, so my fear is that somehow it's going to get out, because um, you know, people are fucking assholes, and they'll just, they do that stuff. Yeah, just looking at all the different playbooks and how all this shit plays out, just nothing good is coming, and that sucks. And tangentially, like, very, 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 like, slightly annoying about this whole situation, um, not as um, life-altering, soul-crushingly uh, frustrating as, as the actual situation is. Um, I'm kind of pissed off that it's taking away from the Mike Richards case, because I think that is absolutely, actually, really interesting stuff. Uh, the Kings cancel his contract... Uh, because he got stopped at the Canada border with prescription ki- pills. He's been the subject of an, of an investigation. He hasn't been charged. Um, the NHLPA today, on the 10th of August, uh, filed their appeal. They actually had, like, I think the 29th of August. But, and so I don't know specifically what the timing is about. Um, I'm guessing it has to do with a kind of do on a hedge, like if they lose this appeal... They still want to give Mike Richards enough of an opportunity to actually find somebody to sign him to a contract. Um, plus, I think that they did want to race out to see if they could get the appeal in before he got charged with anything, so they could actually, so they could really focus it on you cancel the guy's contract when he hasn't been charged of any wrongdoing. Um, Eric Macramala of TSN argues he thinks that the Kings' argument is going to center around the fact that he didn't tell the Kings about this about this issue that happened at the border, and that materially affected them while they were trying to trade him. Like, they found out in the middle of trying to trade him, oh, you didn't tell us this, therefore you breached your the morality clause of your contract, so you're gone. Um, Macromella doesn't believe that's going to stand up. I don't believe that's going to stand up. Um, <clears throat> I don't know necessarily how much of the morality clause is in that I have to tell you about something that I wasn't, even arrested for. I haven't been charged for. He was detained, but I don't think he was actually arrested. So um, it's really fascinating stuff, and it's it's being overshadowed. So I, I can't wait to see what happens there, um, especially if they win the appeal. I don't know that the uh, that the NHL is going to allow the Kings to go ahead and buy him out like that was what like was the original plan. Uh, the buyout window closed. The second buyout window closed. Um, the NHLPA has a reason to not let them just do a special buyout right now, 
because the reason why you can't do buyouts in August is because it disadvantages the player. It's the free agency period has already started. If you buy him out right before the season starts, then you've essentially kept him from being able to get the best possible deal. And I don't know if they're going to let that happen. I would love for Mike Richards to have his contract reinstated and to be forced basically on the Kings again this season. That would be hilarious to me. That would be good as hell (laughs) because I don't like them and they are stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think the Kings are shitheads. I mean, you think about it. I mean, they basically, if you if you really compare situations here, um, what's his name? Uh, the GM. I'm spacing. Lombardi. Huh? Dean Lombardi. Yeah, yeah, Lombardi. Yeah, Dean Lombardi. Um, you look back at the the Voynov case. Uh, Lombardi basically like put Voynov like. He made it seem like they were going to help Voynov through the situation no matter what. And they just wanted to make, you know, make sure that he was going to be taken care of. Um, and now you fast forward to this, and they are just, not that I'm a fan of Mike Richards. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy about him or anything, but I hate him. Um, you know, maybe the guy has an addiction, and they're basically just, eh, well, fuck off, we're just going to terminate your contract, see you later. Not offering anything. So it's basically that that's that you're done, goodbye. And that just kinda shows you how shitty of an organization they are. Yeah, and if the NHL can argue that it's an addiction issue, then they can argue that the Kings have violated the CBA his CBA rights to undergo counseling. Joe, you're yeah, a Kings fan, what do you think of all this? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was we all were expecting when Mike Richards was put on waivers that he was going to be bought out, and then whoops, here's a here's a curveball. We're actually just going to outright terminate his contract. So that way, we don't have to pay him for the next ten years. It's just for the next five, uh, or whatever, or whatever the other consequence is going to be. I think it was going to be a cap recapture penalty. Uh, you know, I have a hard time believing that Dean Lombardi, as a lawyer by trade, would have actually thought that this would have gone through, but part of me just thinks this is a desperate last-ditch attempt to be completely absolved of any ties with his contract since they failed to use a compliance buyout on him last offseason. All right, so uh, we are running a, a little bit long. I just think we uh, we talked more about the Red Wings than than we thought we would have to, and that, that's a good thing for a broadcast. Um, but I think we're going to cut the, the Western Conference preview. We've got all summer to, to talk about those jerks. Uh, that conference isn't important anyway. It's got no teams that matter. So uh, we're just going to cut right back into Red Wings talk, uh, specifically prospects. Um, we have the, uh, the Traverse City Prospects Tournament coming up uh, September 11th to 15th, uh, and we are just going to hand control over to Michelle uh, to, uh, to run us through uh, a little bit of a preview there and, uh, and some, other, some other topics. So take it away, Michelle. The Red Wings haven't yet released their final roster for the 2015 Prospects Tournament, but I still have a pretty good idea of the players who will be in attendance. On this episode, we're going to break down the forwards who will be there, and then next time we'll take a look at the defensemen and goalies. Representing the Red Wings draft picks will be Andreas Athanasiu, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, Adam Marsh, 
Zach Nastasiak, Evgeny Svechnikov, Chase Pearson, and Dominic Turgeon. The Wings will also have some free agent invites coming in in Nick Betts, Connor McGlynn, Evan Poley, and Jerome Verrier. All of these guys were also at the development camp, and a couple of them have previous experience uh, from last year in either the tournament or development camp. I also expect David Johnstone to receive a free agent invite. He was in development camp in 2014, but was not able to attend the Prospects Tournament because he was playing at Michigan Tech. He's finished his senior year there, which is why he can attend this year. The reason that he couldn't attend last year is the same reason why several of the Red Wings draft picks and free agents that they're interested in cannot attend the Prospects Tournament this year. Article 15 of the NHL CBA mandates that the NHL teams for training camp, and it's also the same for the prospects tournament, uh, that the NHL teams pay for all reasonable travel expenses, housing expenses, give players a meal allowance. Those and other various expenses have to be paid for by the team. However, the NCAA has very strict rules that players aren't allowed to have any expenses paid for by NHL teams or they'll immediately lose NCAA eligibility. Puts them in a really tough place and it really sucks from a developmental standpoint because they can't come to things like the prospects tournament or training camp and get that extra, you know, learning and experience in that the other guys can get. Uh, The college players are allowed to attend the NHL team's development camps, which is why you saw um, guys like James DeHaas and Mike McKee, Patrick Hallway at the Red Wings development camp. The catch is that they have to pay for everything themselves. They have to pay for their flights, their food, their hotels, their equipment. They can't even keep, you know, like a Red Wings hat or shirt that they're given in camp. They can use it while they're there, but they have to turn it back in before they leave or they'll risk getting caught with it and lose their NCAA eligibility. While we wait for the Prospects Tournament to get here, there is still some hockey action going on. The Red Wings had seven players represent the team in a World Juniors development camp. Joe Hicketts for Team Canada, Evgeny Svechnikov for Russia, Christopher Ennin, Axel Holmstrom for Sweden, Dominic Persian and Dylan Larkin for Team USA, and Billy Sariarvi to represent Finland. In two games, Joe Hicketts had a goal and an assist, and both of them were pretty noteworthy and garnered some attention. Uh, his assist was an absolutely gorgeous stretch pass, and his goal ended up being a game winner. Evgeny Svechnikov was held off the score sheet in two games for Russia, except for six penalty minutes. Christopher N. and Axel Holmstrom both played in three games for Team Sweden, and neither of them registered anything on the score sheet. Dominic Turgeon played six games for Team USA, and he had one goal. Dylan Larkin played in five games for Team USA, and he had one goal, three assists, and six penalty minutes. And Vili Sariarvi in five games for Finland had a goal, an assist, and two penalty minutes. And that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Is that what my voice really sounds like? Yes, it, it totally does. All right, so the, uh, the prospects tournament, like we said, it starts uh, on from the 11th to the, the 15th. The Red Wings' first game is on Friday the 11th at 11.30. Uh, they play Carolina. Their last game in the round robin is Monday the 14th, where they play Dallas. Uh, the 15th is when the championship game happens. Hopefully, we will be able to defend our title, although it would be a brand new cup name because it's the Matthew Wiest Memorial Trophy now, and it was not last year. Um, 
So, and then keep an eye out for our uh, our top 15 prospects uh, series is, is ongoing. We've gotten through four so far. Uh, we've got those listed alphabetically because brilliantly uh, Kyle decided that if you do in order, uh, people just get bored of that shit. So um, we're going to yeah. keep you on your toes. So good job, Kyle. Thanks. So if you know your alpha, if you know how to do the alphabet, then you'll 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 figure it out. But whatever. Um, so uh, basically, now what we're gonna do? Sorry, that was a really bad transition. Um, <laughs> um, we're gonna go through the reader questions. Uh, some of the questions that uh, the wonderful readers at Wing at Motown have uh, asked us uh, today. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just gonna dive right on in. Um, let's see. First one we got here. Um, looks like it was a Twitter question from at Babs twenty one twenty one. With the new head coach. Do we expect a shake-up in the third and fourth-line guys, like Anderson, Miller, Glenn Denning, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I'm, I'm not anticipating a big shake-up, at least on the fourth line. Um, in Grand Rapids, Blash Hill used his fourth line as kind of the, you know, grinding, not necessarily shut down, but grinding line that didn't produce a lot. I mean, it was it featured, like, Louis Mark Aubrey was the center and then would rotate in, like, Jeff Hogan or Alden Hirschfeld, Hirschfeld, guys like that. Occasionally, someone like Merrick Tverden, a little more offensive, would be on that line, but he kind of used it in a somewhat similar fashion as Babcock used the Wings' fourth line, although not to that extreme that Babcock did. Um, we could see a little bit of a shakeup, but I mean something like Glenn Dunning, Miller, and Ferraro on the fourth line is something that I could envision uh, Blash Hill using as well. I wouldn't expect him to try and reinvent the wheel, maybe a little tweaks, but eh. I yeah, I don't really see much much changing. The only thing that I really hope that to see change is uh, Yurko off the fourth line. Uh, that's uh, a big one for me, um, which I think is going to happen. So um, other than that, no, you can pretty much expect the fourth line to pretty much stay the same. The third line might change up, uh, obviously, with um, Datsuk out. Uh, you know, we might see Larkin uh, taking on that third spot, that third center, um, which would be great. Um, and then, you know, put in whoever you want on the wing, basically, at that point. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, the fourth line is pretty much set in stone. Okay, so uh, the next thing from Landy. Uh, what happened with Jarrett Stoll? Uh, basically said that uh, they thought he was going to jail, but then he saw that he signed with the Rangers. Uh, seems like another case that the NHL just needs to get their shit together with the legal issues. Um, uh, I don't really remember exactly what happened with Jarrett Soule. Was it drug-related? It was drug-related. Yeah, Jarrett Soule was arrested for possession of MDMA and coke. That's right. Um, he pled down to basically, like, I don't remember what the specific name of the charge, but it was essentially like, being not nice is what he ended up pleading guilty to. So he got community service. He's already served it. Uh, as far as the NHL is concerned, he's paid his debt to society. It's not going to affect his ability to play with the Rangers. I don't expect him to be um, suspended. I'm not sure if he's going to be introduced to the uh, NHL's drug program, but uh, it's it's essentially, as far as the league is concerned, basically a non-issue. They don't care. They're going to let him sign. Yeah, pretty much. He's getting paid 800000 a year. Uh, on a one-year deal uh, with the Rangers, uh, whatever. The next one from Andrew Twelves. Uh, what are the thoughts of Austin Matthews, uh, top prospect in the 2015 uh, NHL draft, uh, heading to Zurich? And what does that mean for future top prospects? Essentially, uh, Austin Matthews, um, he's a native of Phoenix, or the uh, Phoenix area. Um, 
he's going to be playing. Uh, he's going to be playing this draft year in in uh, in Zurich, uh, and he's going to make four hundred thousand dollars a year to do it. So uh, I think this is a great smart move for him. He's going to get paid. He's going to play against some some tough competition. Um, I think it's a it's an interesting way to go about things, but uh, it it could definitely change the way prospects go about their development, uh, especially if they can make money before getting drafted. Um, uh, yeah. I think it's a I think it's a pretty cool innovative way to go about it. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought uh, I actually thought Lambert's uh, column about it today on Puck Daddy was was pretty bang on. It's uh, I mean it's cool for him. I I don't think you're going to see this become too widespread going forward. Um, just because, as he pointed out, there's just there's too many factors at play for, that worked in Austin Matthews' favors that he could actually do something like this. You know, you're not going to get the, the the top prospects of the world going over to Europe for the most part at this point. Maybe it might happen a little bit more with, but I would expect maybe one or two guys a year at most. Yeah, I think it's a. I don't. I don't know if like it'll happen widespread by any means, but I think that it. You, you you could definitely see it happen more often. Uh, uh, but I think it's a smart move for the kid. Um, and, uh, you know, it's obviously good for hockey over there, hockey over here. Everybody's happy. Nobody's throwing a fit over it. Good move by the kid. Um, JJ, this question's for you from El Gorsba. Um, if you could make hockey season start tomorrow by eating a bag of avocados, would you? Oh, uh, fuck no. But... Um, <laughs> That is only uh, maybe specific to this summer. Uh, why would I want the hockey season to start now if uh, Pablo Datsuk isn't going to be ready until November? Um, ah, I yeah. think cost the Red Wings too many games. So uh, no, not now. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, let's see here. Okay, yeah. Uh, from uh, <laughs> Tromboner Will. Blaine um, St. James suggested that Allocator's 2015 season was not an arbitrary uh, an aberration. Um, how right is she? Um, how far into the season do you think uh, we go uh, before we start seeing like a contract uh, negotiation? Um, she suggested the terms of 4.5 to 5 million earlier. Um, so do we? I mean, we we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, do we really feel like, you know, that what Advocator did last year was, was it real or was it just a bit of a fill? Was it, was it filler? Yeah, I'd be okay if we got to the trade deadline without an extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not trying. I, I don't really like, I don't really care about contract extensions during the season. I mean, you know, you got shit to do. I don't think he's so important that you have to worry about an in-season extension. You let him play out his contract, um, see if it motivates him to try and replicate what he did last year. If he does, you know, great. It's going to benefit the Red Wings. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of two things will happen. Either he'll sign uh, hope, what we can only hope is a decent deal, or he'll price himself out of Detroit's, uh, out of Detroit's budget and he'll go somewhere else and, you know, good luck to you, whatever. I would definitely wait until at least the end of the season to sign him. See what, not only what he can do and, you know, you have time, but also see what the kids in Grand Rapids do. See how Larkin and Mantha and Appenasiu and Bertuzzi, you know, see how much they develop and gauge better when they're going to be ready and proceed accordingly. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, 
next question, um, free agent forwards after next season. Um, you know, we got the you got your helm, your advocator, Richards, Miller, Anderson. Um, you know, uh, who do we expect to return, and who do we expect to leave? Now, in my mind, in my opinion, Helm, Advocator, Richards, Miller, um, I don't want all of them back. Uh, Advocator, I wouldn't be brokenhearted if you left. Same with Helm, Richards, is, I'm not even really, I, I don't care. Uh, Anderson, don't care. Miller is the one guy who I could see maybe sticking around as a fourth liner, um, uh, obviously. Uh, but, you know, the other guys, I mean, I feel like you know if you if you have a, a if you think they're going to be not going to be returning, then you need to basically pawn them off. You need to get you need to get them you need to get a return out of them. That's what a smart GM would do, or at least attempt to do. Kyle Quincy's a UFA after this year too. Oh yeah, that's right. He is. Which mm-hmm. which brings up you know we've talked a lot about defense and how we have too many defensemen and could the Wings make a deal to shed some of those D men. Well, if he only has one year left, he could be, you know, just from a financial standpoint, you know, and getting something back from yeah. him, he could be um, a top candidate to, you know, trade him, even if it was midseason, knowing that his contract's going to be up. We're going to keep Yeah, him. no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really, I don't know. I'm not anticipating us getting rid of any of them, so whatever. Um, don't don't <laughs> kill that, my dream, Kyle. I'm oh, well, you know, that's all I do. I just kill dreams. That's what I do around here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Helm, I'm, I mean, I don't. I think he's reached his peak as a hockey player. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously all the other names that are, uh, you know, hitting unrestricted free agency aren't really, um, I don't know, they're just not priority players to me. The priority is in the restricted free agent. Those are where we're probably going to have to, you know, you know, you're Danny DeKaiser, and uh, who else is it next year? Riley Shan, Timo Polkinen, Peter Mrazek. Yeah. Mrazek, yeah. Yeah. Wow, I forgot about Mrazek. I forgot he was on our team. How could you? You're a terrible fan. Terrible. How could you forget <laughs> the starter? Know. Hey, 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 I don't know how I forgot him. Um, so from Stevasaurus Rex. <laughs> He wants us to talk. Can you talk about? Jo- <laughs> it's a great name. Um, maybe one of the best Twitter handles ever. Um, <clears throat> can you talk about Joe Hicketts? I'm interested to hear what you think about his potential and if he makes, if he can make the big club. I love Joe Hicketts. I think he's a great defenseman, a great hockey player, a good person. Um, his story is really great. Um, how you know he basically. Uh, didn't get drafted. Then he came to Red Wings camp as a, an invite and uh, just played his played his ass off and and earned himself a contract with an NHL team. Uh, obviously, the looming concern is that he is fun sized. You know, he's coming in at about around five eight uh, for a defenseman at the NHL level. That is less than ideal. Um, but uh, I mean, he's not tall, but he plays big. You know, he he will push, he will get the puck off of the puck carrier. I mean, he, he did it multiple times at training camp last year, and I've seen video of him doing it this year. Um, he's just got that swagger to him, and I don't know if, and if any of the listeners saw it, but when he at the uh, uh, evaluation camp for uh, Team Canada, that uh, stretch pass he had to Brandon Braden Point was, I don't know, 
just something you can't really uh, ignore. Uh, you can't really write off because of size. Um, his offensive upside is something that definitely should not, you know, be overshadowed by his lack of size. Um, he's a great prospect. I think he's possibly one of the probably the top defensive prospects in the system. Um, and uh, if he is to make the, uh, as you know, the big club, obviously he's going to be joining the Grand Rapids Griffins full time next season. Um, you know, he's you know likely they're probably going to want him to bulk up. You know, that's that's fine and dandy. Um, but I think for him to 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 actually make the big club, literally all he has to do is just keep on doing what he's doing and just playing his game because his game is really solid. Um, yeah. What about you guys? I agree with that. I definitely think that he can can be an NHL defenseman. I mean, size can be a disadvantage, but like you just said, he doesn't play small. When you watch him on the ice, it doesn't matter if it's in the offensive zone or in the defensive zone. You don't think that he's a small player. You don't look at him and go, wow, he's small because he's smart. Smaller right. defense. You know, smaller defensemen can be NHL defensemen, but they have to they have to play smarter. They have to know how not to get into situations where they're going to get hurt. You know, they're not going to go one on one with bigger guys like a big defenseman would. But that doesn't mean that they can't do it successfully. You watch him in the defensive zone take the puck away from other players, or he'll just kind of like he's really good at avoiding big hits. So if big forwards come in and try and hit him, he has this awareness and the smarts necessary to keep himself out of trouble. And he also has the skating ability to get himself out of trouble. And, right. you know, you mentioned, like, the wings, you know, wanting him to bulk up a little bit more. I mean, he can get a little bit bigger, but I don't think part of what helped him be so successful when he came into um, the wings development camp last year and ended up earning the contract was he actually lost weight and it helped him be faster and improve his skating and mobility. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the weight that he's at, he was listed at 175 uh, at the beginning of last season. I'd say he's probably like 180-ish now. But for a guy that's 5'8", mm-hmm. I mean, that's, he's, he's built pretty good um, even as he is. And he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a dynamic player. When he's on the ice, you notice him in a good way. He brings that energy. You know, he can quarterback the power play. Like, he can do so much, and he has the offensive abilities, but he also is good enough in his own zone, you know, to make, to, to make him a good NHL player. Like, he just, he just has, all, he has all of the tools that he needs to make it yeah. to the NHL. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Um, anyone else want to say anything about Hicketts before we move on to the next uh, question? I think he's good. Fuck you if you disagree. <laughs> Very good. He's being considered for captain of Team Canada's World Junior Team, which is positive news. Uh, and I really hope that when he does make the Red Wings that he becomes as annoying a uh, narrative as Tyler Johnson was this past year. I think Red Wing fans will be up to that task. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> the only way it would be wouldn't be uh, it would be more annoying is if he was drafted in the ninth round, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, which is why I'm really looking forward to Axel Holmstrom 
becoming a Red Wing regular because then we get to tout what a, what a bunch of geniuses the Wings are at drafting because they found another seventh-round superstar. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, so from uh, Octopus Connoisseur, who will end the year with more NHL points? Riley Shan, Dylan Larkin, or Timu Polkanen? I say Polkanen. Shan. Larkin. All right. Naristocrat. I'm I'm going to say Polkanen as long as he's used properly, and I trust Blash Hill to do that. I'm going to say that the teeny Pokemon pulled it out. It should be Larkin. Larkin. More. It should be Larkin. More points. should be Larkin. Larkin yeah. should be winning the uh, the Calder. So I mean, whatever. I. Yeah. But I really don't know if I even think that Larkin is ready full time. I mean, we haven't seen him play in the NHL yet. Like, it's still yeah. It, it's still a big yeah, yeah, step. Absolutely. I'm yeah, not ready to say. Aaron Ekblad and Johnny he's, he's the next captain of the Red Wings, so just let's just okay. bring him up now and just let you know let the greatness begin. We should probably strip, just strip the C from Zetterberg right now because you know he's he's like old and broken, right? And just give it he's, to Larkin. He's day one. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. After the totally. whole hot dog, he him not <laughs> thinking a hot dog is a sandwich thing. Yeah, I'm not really. Oh no no. Happy that, with him. That cost him another three years of being the captain yeah. because of, he was still right. So no, so it right. actually Number made up for his. Yeah, it made up for his poor playoff performance. It's like that right there. That just that no was yeah. That's why I love you. <laughs> no, can't do it. Sorry, Kyle, you're um, wrong. Whatever, you guys. Um, don't don't from, be a wiener uh, about Paul, this. I I am a wiener. Um, from Paul <laughs> MM twelve fifty five. The wings are 1.5 million over the cap. Franzen will be on long-term injury reserve. We don't know that. Uh, but what other possible solutions can we see? Obviously, that's who, that's going to take care of everything. Um, they also have the option of moving players to on waivers. Uh, Joachim Anderson is one of them. Um, I don't know. If, are there any others? I mean. Probably not in the other. Waivers are going to have to make a move. Like uh, I don't know, trading Kyle Quincy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Datsuk I mean, starting the year on on injured reserve should also because if Franz does start the year healthy, I believe that that Datsuk starting on injured reserve will still give them the cap space they need at the beginning of the year. And then once he comes back, you'll assume that Franz will be out with his concussion, and right, then right. kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, Datsu's yeah. cap hit is seven and a half, so that, I mean, that clears up our overage and gives us a cushion even if Franzen were to be able to play. We might yeah. have, you know, we would have to put somebody on waivers or make a move when Datsu comes back, assuming that Franzen was still in, and I would put Joachim Anderson on waivers so fast. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's not even like yeah. And you don't even know who else could potentially get injured. I mean, you, just, you, you know, once the season starts, you never know. You know, somebody right. else could get hurt or um, something. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think cap space is going to be a problem this year for the Wings. I mean, we're so close as it is. We're only a little bit over, and you know, there's always going to be injuries, and you have options with several guys you can put on waivers. So. Right. Um, from Yuria, uh, what do we think? would be the best line and usage combination to get Thomas Yurko going. Just play with Yurko uh, Larkin. Put him with Shane Play with Park. players. Do it. Play with actual hockey players. And tell him that, hey, you can go ahead and score gold instead of go grind it out and shut people down and try 
getting a fucking pass to Luke Glendening and Drew Miller. God damn it. Sorry. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> No, I think that uh, certainly he's going to, if he plays with, uh, you know, like Shan and uh, Cesar again, um, that's definitely going to help him big time. Uh, And then the rest of it is going to be on him. He's got to come ready. He's going to have to make the best out of the situation he's in. I think he will. I mean, the fact that he's still struggling with back issues, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him right off the hop because if he's not healthy and he's having issues with the disc in his back, it may take a while for him to, you know, get back to being Tomas Yurko. But he will. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I, I hope you leave the bag of flaming dog poop on Babcock's new door. Uh, yeah, he might. He might. So that's pretty much it as far as questions go. Um, do you guys have any other closing thoughts or anything? I think we're, uh, we're pretty good. It was a pretty packed show for us tonight. I do have one. The uh, most... Go ahead, Joe. So, uh, forget specifically which day it was, but since the last podcast, we did lose a member of the Red Wings dynasty of the 50s, Leo Reese Jr. Uh, Just wanted to give him a little bit of a tribute shout-out. He was a defenseman Detroit picked up from Chicago, you know, in case you wanted the Chris Chelios reference. Uh, he won the Chan- won a Stanley Cup with the Red Wings in 1950 and 1952. He was basically like, from what I've read about him, he's basically like the model defensive defenseman uh, of his era. We played, gave a lot to this organization, uh, and a part, as a part of that 1950 Stanley Cup, he won. He, that was a, one of the Stanley Cups that was won in a Game Seven overtime. And, uh, the Red Wings are the only franchise to ever do that, and they did it twice in that dynasty run. So, yeah, thank you for the memories, and rest in peace, Mr. Reese. Well said, Joe. R.I.P. What were you doing, J.J.? You were going to say something? Uh, it's not important. I think it's best to just end on, uh, on what Joe said. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see you all again in two weeks. Until then, go Red Wings. Winging it. Winging it.